Forged in Fire podcast. Be warned, we're not your typical Christian podcast. We tell it like it is, we don't pull punches, and we're committed to teaching biblical truth even when that truth hurts your feelings. Sensitive listener discretion is advised. Let's rock. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Hebrews 11, 24-29 Hello and welcome back to Forged in Fire podcast. Thank you so much for downloading the show and joining me today. I'm Matt, I'm your host, and today we're going to continue our discussion on the uh, the New Year, New Me phenomenon, I like to call it. It's this ceremony, ritual, really is what it is, it's very ritualistic, where every year uh, at the start of the new year, we sit down and we pick out something, or maybe a few somethings, about ourselves that uh, just aren't good enough. Maybe it's something that just needs to be changed, Uh, maybe it's something that shouldn't be there that we need to excise and take away, maybe it's something that's not there that, that should be and that we think needs to be added, but whatever the case, the bottom line is something about us isn't good enough. And for us as Christians, it's real easy to get trapped into that train of thought, not just this time of year, but but ongoing through our journey in this life, where, as I said, well, last time, we all have gifts, and we all have a call on our life, and those gifts are geared toward, they are custom-made to enable us to fulfill that call on our life. None of it is by accident. It is all very, very purposeful. However, because of our perception problem, really, we think, even of ourselves, of our own call, if it's not to the pulpit or the mission fields or maybe to seminary in like a teaching capacity, if it's not church-based, then it's not a real call of God. So we're just going to kind of hang back and do us because God's got somebody else to fill that role. And that is not true. I'm going to say that one more again. That is not true. I don't know who needs to hear this, but please hear this. You do not have to be changed in order for God to use you. Just like we talked about last time with five loaves and two fish, it was still just loaves and fish. Jesus didn't change what they were in in principle. They were still loaves and fish, but he multiplied what he already had because it was given to him. And in his hands, it became more than enough. And it was still just loaves and fish. It wasn't changed. Was not changed. That's the point that I really want to drive home today. And so I want to look at a prime example of that being Moses. We're going to be spending time in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. And Moses is a great example of this because as I just read from Hebrews 11, when the writer of Hebrews is kind of really just kind of going through a list of uh, like an alumni list of people of great faith in the Old Testament, Moses is 
among there. You know, he's one of the last ones before he's like, well, you know, what what, what else am I supposed to say? Because I don't have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And, you know, is, is, he's kind of the, Moses is the last one who kind of gets a, uh, not really a full breakdown, but he gets like a Cliff Notes version. You know, he gets more than just a sentence. And yeah, there was Moses by faith. He was cool. And, you know, that's all she wrote. But what's important and what, in my experience, often gets overlooked when discussing Moses is the fact that he was used by God just as he was. He was not changed. And in fact, one point that is often overlooked is that ultimately at the end of the day, or really at the end of the years of wandering in the desert, Moses failed. He was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Because he was still Moses. He was still himself. He had not been changed. He still had flaws, and based on the text, in my opinion, a little bit of a temper. Not like I can relate to that or anything. <laughs> um, but that's just, you know, my interpretation, you could say. Um, but seriously, he wasn't changed. He was still himself. But he was still flawed and still used by God for a great purpose. And... Before we dive in, just kind of a behind-the-scenes thing, I usually take copious amounts of notes. Um, really, when I sit down to record, it's you could argue that it's almost scripted what I'm going to say. I don't allow myself a whole lot of uh, wiggle room for rambling because I know that if I do, it's real, real easy for me to go off on like 18 different tangents and we're going to take 47 left turns and eventually we'll get to where we were going, but we're going to have to go on a heck of a side trip to get there. And so I try to minimize my, not ability, but my opportunity to, to go off on those tracks. But I didn't do that this time because I feel that by and large the text really speaks for itself and we just kind of need to to talk about it or commentate for lack of a better word as we go along and uh, hopefully as we go through that'll make more sense to you so we're going to start here in exodus chapter 3 uh, starting at verse 10 this is moses seeing the burning bush let me grab a swig of coffee one sec okay so my screen tells me that was actually three seconds but you'll live i think i hope I'm pretty sure. You'll be all right. You got this. So, burning bush. Moses. There's a burning bush. It's the Lord. And God is basically saying, hey, you know, I have heard the cries of my people in Egypt that are enslaved, that are oppressed, that are abused. I hear them. And now it's time to do something about it. And so starting in verse 10, God says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now let me stop right there. Right there. That right there, that statement that who am I is arguably our biggest issue. Because just to kind of broken record it a little bit, we feel insecure or not insecure, that's not the right word. We feel insufficient and not good enough. What we have is not enough. We don't have enough to offer. Who am I that I should go and fulfill this duty, whatever that duty is? You know, I'm just me. I mean, heck, I'll, I'll go ahead and use myself for an example. Um, now, let me just kind of throw this out there at 
at the risk of sounding like I'm tooting my own horn, because I'm absolutely not. I'm just trying to lay it down, you know, straight up, keep it factual with you, okay? This is just kind of the way it is. Um, I'm, I consider myself a fairly intelligent dude, but uh, I ain't perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect at all. I don't have high-dollar recording equipment, okay? I'm one dude sitting at a desk, tucked off in a corner at my house, talking into a microphone. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay, I don't have any formal theological training. All of my study is stuff that I've done by myself. I don't have uh, radio sponsorships or affiliates or I'm just I'm literally just a one man operation sitting down talking to a microphone. But that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, does that make me perfect or better than you? Absolutely not. Not even remotely close. But I am here to serve as an example, in part to serve as an example of exactly what I'm talking about here, where again, like I've said before, God does not choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. And again, the loaves and the fish that Christ fed the multitude with, you're talking 10 to 15,000 people out of, two, out of a couple loaves of bread and some fish. It was still bread and fish. It wasn't changed. It was only multiplied. But the kicker is, again, it was given to God. And so Moses here, he's in that same trap. Is, is God's like, okay, look, you're a Hebrew. I hear the cry of my people. They've been enslaved at this point for about 400 years. Okay, I hear they're crying to me. I hear their cries. It's time to do something about it. And you're the guy to do something about it. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, why me? Who, who am I? I'm nobody. I'm not worthy to, to step into the presence of Pharaoh and more so and more than that demand that our people be set free. I'm I'm in no position to demand anything of the king of Egypt. Who who am I? Who am I? And that right there is where most of us stop. And the reason that I wanted to get into this is because as we go through, you know, I talked before that one of the reasons we we're real good about getting in our own way. And one of the reasons that that happens is because we can't see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. And Moses's example exists to show that sometimes, even when we've got the whole plan laid out in front of us, we can still get in our own way. Because God's going to lay it out for him step by step as we go through, starting at verse 12. And he said, he being the Lord, certainly I will be with you and this will be a token unto you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your father sent me unto you. And they say to me, what is his name? What am I supposed to say unto them? So here we come into our first excuse. I don't know who to say you are. What am I supposed to say to them? And God answers very directly and tells him, I am that I am. When you go to the elders, you tell them, I am sent you. And that still isn't good enough. Still isn't good enough. And even further down, he tells them, you know, gather up the, the elders of Israel, tell them, I am sent you. And in verse 18, it says, God tells Moses explicitly, they will hearken to thy voice. That means they will listen to you. They will believe you. 
and then you'll go to Pharaoh, ask to go into the wilderness for three days so that you may worship the Lord your God, but he's not going to let you go unless I push him really, really hard. And I'm going to do that, and by the time he finally lets you guys leave, which he will do, you are going to spoil the Egyptians. You're going to walk out with gold and, and jewels and clothing and livestock, everything that you need, you're going to walk out with because this is the way that it's going to go down. And so every step of the plan, every, it, ev literally every step has been laid out for him. And Moses answered, this is chapter 4 starting at verse 1, and said, But they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, because they'll say the Lord has not appeared to you. His fear and his worry has already gotten in the way of God's promise. God has told him, you go talk to these people, they will believe you. And his first reaction is, nuh-uh. And you know, it's so easy for us to sit here now, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, we can sit here a couple thousand years later, or at this point really a few thousand years later, and look at this and go, man, why didn't he just believe? Same thing with the disciples. You know, we always say, well, why didn't they believe? Why was their faith lacking? Like, we don't run into the same issue. We do. Constantly. Constantly. All the time. We get in God's way. Because we are unsure of either ourselves or the consequences. It's so hard to take that step of faith and that's why it's called a step of faith it's because you have to believe what the Lord tells you and you have to take that step and that's really really hard for us to do because we're human beings we're very much uh, you, you, I don't know if some all of you are old enough to remember maybe some of you will the whole picks or it didn't happen phase you know that's kind of how we are now even us as Christians in our faith you know pictures or it didn't happen show me you know I'm from Missouri you gotta show me I'm not actually from Missouri. I'm from Tennessee, but I did have a boss from Missouri who used to say that all the time. He said, I'm from Missouri. you got to show me, and then I'll believe you. And we're the exact same way. Because as human beings, again, what we don't understand when we don't have a, a solid, definitive look that, that we can see with our own eyes, not just by hearsay, even, even if it comes from the Lord, that's still hearsay in our opinion. And that makes us nervous. It's scary. It scares us. And we get in our own way because we're scared. Well, what if? That's not the way that it goes. We still have room for what if. And that is our biggest problem. And so through here, I'm not going to read all of this because it is uh, wordy. I've checked it out in a, in a few different translations. And uh, it, it's always wordy, but, you know, Moses is the one writing it, so... That's just how he got down. That's his style. So basically at this point, God gives Moses three miracles to do because Moses says they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen. They're going to say God didn't send you. He did, God didn't even appear to you. And he's holding a rod in his hand. God tells Moses, throw that rod on the ground. And when he does, it becomes a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But God says, hold on. Put your hand out, grab a hold of that serpent, and when Moses does, it turns back into a rod. Then God says, take your hand and put it into your bosom. Like like uh, you could, we would say, like, put your hand in your pocket. 
and when he pulls it out, it's white with leprosy. And God says, put it back in. Moses puts it back in, and he withdraws again. Now his hand is clean. And then, that's two miracles, okay? I don't know about you, but if I saw a dude, let, let, put, put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites, okay? Somebody says that your God has sent them to you, and this dude can turn a rod into a snake and back. I mean, at that point, I'm sold, okay? I don't know about y'all. Um, well, you know, of course, then again, like, like I just said, it's easy to say that. So maybe I wouldn't be. Maybe I wouldn't be sold. And so God gives them another miracle. That's two. Count them two. But he's still not done. He's going to give him one more. And in verse uh, nine, he gives it to him and says, if they don't believe when you do these, both of these miracles, then take water out of the river and pour it onto the land. And the water you pour onto the land will turn into blood. So there are now three miracles, literal miracles, for Moses to perform to prove that he was sent by God. Now, I've already tipped my hat. Like I said, I'd be sold. Okay, I'm, I'm bought hook, line, and seeker, sinker. I've already bought the sequel as well. Okay, I'm, I'm all in if I see this stuff. But Moses, he's still stumbling because now the very next thing he says is, I'm not eloquent. Not now, never have been. I'm slow of speech and a slow tongue. He, pro he probably had some kind of speech impediment. I don't know if it was a stutter. Uh, well, not just me. I mean, we don't know if it was a stutter, you know, some kind of lisp or, or what have you. But basically, he, his whole excuse here was, I don't word good. And I, this is one of those points I love God's response because it echoes what he said to Job when Job was finally asking, you know, God, why is all of this stuff happening? You know, what is going on? God's answer to Job was, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Here, Moses is telling God, you know, I've, I've got a speech problem. I don't, I don't talk good. Okay. I'm, I'm not a good speaker. And God says, who in, in verse 11, he says, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you should say. Basically he said, "Is Moshe, don't you think I know that? I don't talk good. No, duh! I made your mouth. I gave you your speaking ability, or lack thereof. I'm aware of this. You still need to go. And so the Lord again gives him help, still gives him help, says, I will be with your mouth and I will tell you what to say. And now Moses is starting to lose it because at this point, and this is where God's anger comes in, because at this point now Moses is saying, okay, just please, God, send somebody else. Send anybody but me, somebody else. And that's where he gets mad. And it says here in verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. This is where God's starting to get fed up. And he says, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well, and he's coming now to meet you. And so when you meet, he'll be glad in his heart. So you speak unto him. So basically, the way that it worked is, God would tell Moses what to say, and Moses would tell Aaron what God said to say. 
and Aaron would be the one to do the speaking. That Moses would be as God to Aaron in this relationship. He, he would give the words to speak. And those words, of course, originally would come from the Lord. The point here is that Moses had feelings of inadequacy and, and insufficiency that were so strong that he couldn't even trust in God's ability to help. And that is a trap we fall into all the time again. But it's important, okay? It's like scripture. When scripture repeats itself, that's important stuff. That's something you need to grab to. So yeah, I'm going to broken record it right here. Is that we know intellectually, rationally, logically, our mind, we know that we have a call on our life, that we have a job to do. But we feel insufficient and not good enough to do that job and when we get trapped between what we feel and what we think what we feel is going to win every single time unless we put up one heck of a fight against it because our heart is that powerful you know what what this reminds me of too is I have five children. We are, my wife and I, we're a blended family. I brought three into the marriage. She brought two. Uh, so three plus two is five. That's how math works. And I'll tell you what really kills me. And and it started before uh, I, I met and married her. But uh, when I was a kid, and I would talk about having my own kids, I swore high and low forever. It's like, I will never tell my kids because I said so. Because I used to ask my mother a question. And that was the answer I always got because I said so. And I hated it. It drove me nuts. And so I swore up and down for years, I will never tell my kids because I said so. When they ask me why about something, I'm going to tell them why. Guess what one of the most, <laughs> most spoken phrases in our house is nowadays? Go ahead and take a wild guess. Yep, ding, 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 congratulations, you win. Yes, it's because I said so. Now, why is that? Sometimes it's because we're in a hurry, okay? It's, it's like, we ain't got time for this. Let, let's get going. But more often, it's because they wouldn't even understand the explanation if we took the time to give it to them. And so many times in our lives, when when God is working in our lives and working within us and through us and, and just all around, we're in the exact same boat. Number one... He doesn't owe us an explanation. Number two, we wouldn't get it even if he did give us an explanation. That's why we're told repeatedly in Scripture, his ways are unsearchable. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. That's because your own understanding is insufficient as a finite human being with a finite mind to comprehend an infinite being. And the Lord said in Isaiah that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways higher than your ways. And it all comes back again to taking that step of faith. That faith is the key. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to do anything. We don't have to understand why and the hows. And as we see with Moses, even when we get that, because of our human nature, our, our fearful nature, most of the time, that's still not going to be good enough. And that's what we have to combat. What I really want to drive home and, and what I really want you to take home from this is that God does have a call on your life, period. That call might be within the church, the, the local church. 
Okay, it's definitely within the capital C church. Okay, it might be within a local church. It might be uh, in in a missionary position. It might be in a seminary teaching. You might be maybe you're supposed to be a pastor or a preacher or a minister or a reverend or however you want to call it, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. That doesn't make that call any less real or any less necessary. Okay, Paul when he was describing our spiritual gifts, basically we were all compared to parts of the human body. Okay, the hand does not serve the same function as the foot, but it still serves a function. It's still essential. The heart does not serve the same function as the brain, but it still serves an essential function. Now that means that there may be somebody out there who is an appendix, and I don't know what their purpose is other than to just be annoying and, and irritating, but you know what? We need some of that too. God, God put those people here to test us as an enigma. No, all joking aside, even if that call is not within the church, it's still viable, it's still real, it's still necessary. And so you don't need to ask, God, what do I need to change into for you to use me? Instead, you just need to say, God, here I am. Here I am. Well, guys, that's going to do it for uh, this episode. Uh, again, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, sit and listen with me. I know there are so many options out there. There's just, uh, especially nowadays, there's just so many ways that we can spend our time and I'm just incredibly grateful that you have decided to spend your time listening to some old boy in you know northeast Alabama talking to a microphone please uh, spread the word tell your friends leave us a good review on iTunes or Stitcher Spotify we're almost everywhere now wherever you listen to this show word of mouth really is the best way to get it out so spread it around tell your friends take care of yourselves and I will see you next time God bless Thank you for joining us here at Forged Empire Podcast. We know there are thousands of options out there, and we're thankful you've chosen to spend your time with us. We hope you've been encouraged and strengthened in your walk with God, and encourage you to leave a review on Anchor, iTunes, or wherever you listen to this show. Opening music is Aliens on the Loose by Bobby Cole, which can be licensed at songtrader.com. Questions, comments, prayer requests, or hate mail can all be sent to Forged Empire Podcast at gmail.com.